You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. It's a joy to be here with you again. Um, Tonight I'll be showing some pictures of our trip's been to Asia twice this year, South Texas. We've had great opportunities. We look forward to being here all day. It's first time meeting your preacher. And um, my wife and his wife have gotten to know each other through some speaking uh, opportunities and things together. But if you would, take your Bible, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. The preacher said he heard from his daughters. I heard from my son and not my daughters yet. But my son is in Australia right now. He lives in Hong Kong where he teaches school and uh, he is on a field trip with students for a week. Primary school students. They're in Australia for a week. A couple of years ago, they came to the United States for a week. Would you send your, prime, your elementary school students halfway around the world for a week on a field trip? But they do that from Hong Kong. And uh, my, I'll tell you a little bit more about it tonight. But my son and his school, the school, the principal is a believer. And uh, my son has the opportunity to share the gospel with his students. And he shares them with the whole school. They have an assembly every morning. And when it's John's turn to lead this, and he has a position of leadership now in the school, he presents the gospel. And a couple of years ago, um, when the teachers meet the, stu- uh, meet, meet the parents and so forth, they have 125 students, primary students, that ride the train an hour each way from Shenzhen, China, across the river into Hong Kong to be taught. My son teaches English, and um, this couple, a couple of engineers, came up to him, the husband and wife, and the first thing they said to John is, you must be a believer. And he had no idea what they were going to say next. And he said, yes, I am. And they said, so are we. And we're so thankful that our daughter has you. And I bring that up. I I wasn't planning on that. If you follow the news at all, how many of you have seen what's going on in Hong Kong the last few days? Okay. You pray about that much. Right now in Hong Kong, there's total religious freedom. Right now in Hong Kong, it's 10, 15 p.m. Sunday. Believers there could go to church carrying their Bibles openly and freely. If this law that they're wanting to pass... The Chairman Xi from China is behind passing. He has one of his lackeys as the head executive there in Hong Kong trying to get this extradition law going where a criminal can just be extradited to China. How would you like to be tried in a court in China? Okay. Torture is open. There's no question about that. They would not accuse you or do that to you for being a Christian. But they would do that to you for subverting the government. You know what I'm saying? So you pray for that. There's eight and a half million people there with lots of opportunity. Anyway, 2 Peter chapter 1. 
you know, through the years, I've been in ministry my entire adult life. And uh, this is the 16th, right? In eight days, I turned 64. On the, on the 14th, two days ago, June turned 39. Again, all right? And, uh, and all. But through those years, I, I'm not in any way saying I know it all. Because the more I'm around, the more I realize how little I know. But I've seen a couple of things. And one of the things I've seen out of believers in our kinds of churches is that some believers feel like they're inferior to other believers. They struggle in areas. And they feel that they, they look at some, you know, a pastor, a Bible teacher, somebody in the church that they look up to, and they look at them like they're super Christians. And they're just mere mortals. All of us are mere mortals. All of us struggle. But we have everything that we need, and our sufficiency is of God. Now, when I say struggle, I don't mean every day's a bad day. But I doubt if your preacher would say that every day has been a perfect day in his Christian life. Okay? We're going to read verses 3 through 9, and we're going to take a look at them. Church starts at 11, right? Okay, okay. Verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, uh, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to, uh, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly, uh, brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and have forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, I, I, I forgot to throw out a disclaimer. If I would say something that doesn't sound exactly right, or if I get tongue-tied, the people in the room above us, I swear, were doing country line dancing last night to well past midnight. Amen? All righty. So, uh, you know, so bear with me. All righty, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to be together today. We thank you for who you are, the great God of the universe, the redeemer of our souls. Lord, use your word in our lives to make us Christ-like. And if someone's here that's not saved, we pray that they might come to the point where they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, okay. Our text assures us that we received everything we need to live the Christian life at salvation. Look at verse 3. Look right there. It's almost in the middle of the verse. And it says, Hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Now, when I, 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 I accepted Christ as my Savior as a sophomore in high school. January 10th, 1971. I did not grow up in a Christian home. My family all got saved about the same time. 
The next year, I was in a Christian school. You talk about culture shock. I mean, I, I grew up in a, just a common, unsaved home. My mother was a public school teacher. My father built Chevrolets. We lived in St. Louis, okay? My dad worked and assembled Chevrolets for 34 years. I didn't know anything. I went to Christian school. The first quarter, I got a D in Bible. And I tried to tell my parents that stood for delightful. And they, they didn't believe that. And um, I remember the first Bible test I took, there was a true and false section. And one of the questions was, Judas was a saved man. And I put true. He was an apostle. He had to be saved. That's what I knew about the Bible. Before the day's over, some of you will think that's still about all I know. But um, through the years, we learn a little. Yeah. And we grow a little. Amen? Yeah. It's normal to grow, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. Now, just as babies grow, Christians are to go grow. Now, what were we given? Verse 3 and 4. I think we have to understand where we came from. All of us are sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. We're sinners by action. Up until this past week, I've always said, I've never had an adult tell me that they were not a sinner. I had that happen to me last Monday. I was in, at our home church. There's a guy that owns a mechanic shop and I was in having my oil changed, getting my tires rotated. We left Tuesday for this trip, and uh, was in there in Scott's shop. And this guy, we were talking there. He was doing something. I was doing something, and uh, he asked me what I did, and I told him. And, you know, what, his name was Roman, and that was a good lead into Romans. And, I, you know, and he had made some comments about society and so forth. And I said, well, you know, in Romans 3, it says, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. I said, do you understand you're a sinner? He said, no, not me. I've never murdered anybody. I've never killed anybody. I've never sold drugs. I've never committed adultery. And he starts going through the list. And so I'm thinking, you ever told a lie? And I said that. He said, the only time I've ever lied is to save somebody, and that's different. That doesn't count. I didn't point this out, but I'm thinking that's a lie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so forth. Okay. We are sinners by nature. The Bible tells us, keep your finger here, turn to Ephesians 4, and we're going to come right back. Turn to Ephesians 4. This is how we were born. Okay, Ephesians 4, look at verse 17. The Bible says, This I say therefore, and testify unto the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. We were born alienated from God. Alienated from God. Now, my wife and I have seven grandchildren, five biologic, two adopted. This next week, I go down, we're meeting a man in North Carolina that he's looking to start a Bible college in Dubai. And we don't know if we'll work with him. We don't know if they want us. I don't know all of his positions and all that, but there's potential there for us to do that. And the good part about this meeting is it's an hour away from four of my grandchildren. Amen? I have 
the oldest grandchild we have and the youngest grandchild live there. We have a two-year-old grandson that lives there. And he is a sinner by nature. I love that little rascal. And he is constant energy. And some of you have heard of the Three Stooges. He has the same hairdo as Larry. <laughs> Blonde hair. I mean, if you turn that kid upside down, you can use him for a Brillo pad. All righty. Now, we were born alienated from God. We're also born under the wrath of God. We don't have time, but we see that in John 3, 18 and 19. Go back to 2 Peter 1, please. When we were saved, we received a godly nature. But our old nature is still there. And it oftentimes works very hard against us. Amen? You know what I'm saying? Now, if you doubt that, and once again, for time's sake, we don't have time, go to Romans chapter 7. Paul talks about the struggle that he has. When we got saved, the Spirit of God lives within us, and we have the power to live as we should. The question is, why is there a struggle to live like we should? And I think the answer comes in the next few verses here, 5 through 7. It tells us there are some things that we need to add to our Christian life. It doesn't say that we're incomplete. It says here's some things that you have to add. Look at verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Now, how are we supposed to add these things? It says with all diligence. This word diligence is the same word that is used in study to show thyself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not be ashamed. Any of you are familiar with Awana, the old Awana verse? Study and do it. It's the same word. When we think of this, it's effort. It's not something that happens on accident. It's not something that we can get sitting in front of our computer or our iPad looking at social media. I'm not preaching against social media. I'm preaching against social media being our God. Amen? Amen? Okay? Now, it says, add to your faith. And do it diligently. And then it tells us what we're supposed to add. Look what it says. Add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? Virtue is moral excellence. It means I do right all the time. In every circumstance. And that's not easy, is it? My wife and I drive a lot. How do you do driving? Don't sit there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. There are some knuckleheads on the road. I mean, you know, we used to say, where'd you get your driver's license? A Cracker Jack's box? You know what I mean? I don't think Cracker Jack's would give some of these people driver's license. And if you're not careful, they can irritate you. Am I right or am I wrong? Moral excellence. I told my wife last night, I said, the devil is trying to ruin our spirit for tomorrow with the line dancing above us. You know what I'm saying? And uh, thank the Lord, <laughs> he got victory last night and uh, not the flesh, all righty, for us. But moral excellence, all of us know what that is. We thought, oh, you know, I don't cheat on my taxes. I don't cuss at my boss. I haven't committed adultery. I've not killed anyone. I've not robbed the bank. We think we're okay. And we ought to be on the right side of those things, but it's so much more than that. 
It's our spirit. It's our attitude. It's what we would like to do if we could do it. Do you understand? Where I live in Plymouth, Wisconsin, it's a small town, 8,500 people. In a 10-mile radius of us, there's more dairy cattle than people. It is Wisconsin. Sargento Cheese is headquartered in our town. Sartori Cheese, they do specialty cheeses, is headquartered in our town. Master Gallery Foods is headquartered in our town. Great Lakes Dairy, their largest cheese factory is in our town. Okay? So, we come from a little town that's there, you know, out in Wisconsin, and we don't have a lot of traffic, and things are real nice. And with it being a small town, I go into the shops and the stores, and everybody knows who I am. I was the pastor of Faith Baptist Church, and they expect a certain demeanor out of me. You know what I mean? And the Lord expects a certain demeanor out of all of us all the time. And we're supposed to be that way. And it's contrary to our nature. Because sometimes we just want to tell people what we think. And we really shouldn't, amen? But Jesus never even thought like that. Can you see Jesus thinking, I'd like to go up and just slap that guy. Teach him how to drive. Moral excellence, virtue. It ought to permeate our being. Second thing is knowledge. Knowledge. Academic facts. Academic facts. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. How many of you can name the apostles? How many of you can name the Ten Commandments in order? How many of you can name the kingdom parables in Matthew 13 in order? How do you do with Leviticus, the first 10, 12 chapters, going through the sacrifices? Do you know, you know that I train Chinese pastors. I'm told that the average Chinese believer reads his Bible through about six to eight times a year. How are you doing on that? You know, in America, we think we're super Christian. We read it through once. We have all of these different things to make our life go simple and smoothly. Chinese believers, for the, if they don't live in one of the big towns, they don't have them. The, the economic boom in China, it's not in rural China. But yet they have time to read their Bibles. They have time to pray. This morning... In, in, in the Chinese churches, they started coming to church two hours early in small groups. And it's set up that way. You know why? So as to not draw attention. And they come about every 10 to 15 minutes in small groups. They come to church. They can't sing like we did this morning. You know why? It draws attention. But they come for the Word of God. And they don't want a 15-minute sermonette. They want the word of God for an hour or more. And that's what they need. Those that come a couple hours early and those on the early shifts, you know what they do? They sit there and in groups of two or three or by themselves, they read the Bible and they pray for a couple of hours before the service starts. What did you do this morning a couple hours before the service starts? I mean, were you up spending time with God? 
our moral excellence and our knowledge. Our knowledge. Do we really know what we believe? Our middle child and her husband and children live in Salt Lake City. They moved out there seven years ago. They were three couples that moved out there to start a church inside Salt Lake City limits. What is in Salt Lake City limits? Anybody know? The headquarters of the Mormon church. And their claws are in deep. Easter Sunday, they had over 600 people in attendance. They've had to split services because their auditorium will only hold about 350. And they're seeing things happen. The gospel still works if we will put it into practice in our life first and then into others. The third thing is temperance. And temperance means self-control. Self-control. Well, you know, I don't yell at people. Yeah, but would you like to yell at people? How do you do at a buffet table? Gluttony is a sin. Amen? It gets quiet in a Baptist church when you say that. Gluttony is a sin. Everybody's <laughs> sucking things in there, all right? Okay. Patience. That's the next one. We get the idea of patience as we see grandma and grandpa on a, you know, in a rocking chair on the porch. But that's really not what the word patience means in the Bible. The word patience means enduring or constancy. Enduring. You know, and I shared this with you all when we were here, how we had to leave China in a hurry, how they beat our translator and so forth. Do you know the Chinese people that we have met since then, men and women both, every one of them say this, don't pray for the persecution to stop. The first time I heard that, I thought, what's the matter with you guys? Of course I would be praying for the persecution. What would you be praying for? They said this, pray that we will be faithful. Man, I was just, you talk about being slapped upside the head by something you heard. I thought right then and there, that's why the gospel is thriving in China and it's struggling in the United States. We're more consumed with being comfortable and they're more consumed with being faithful. And we know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, more it's required in stewards that a man be found comfortable. Right? More what's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And they're worried about being faithful. And they go to church this morning worrying, or not worrying, but not knowing if they'll be going home from church or if they're going to jail. If they'll see their pastor taken and beaten in front of them. Those are things that are in their minds. We come to church only concerned if we're exceeding the speed limit. Amen? Patience. Bearing up under a load. Bearing up under a load. We, I, I love to read biographies. I, I like to read biographies of unsaved people. But I really like Christian people. And hearing as you talk to the Chinese people, you read Hudson Taylor, they know who Hudson Taylor was. And they know what he did, opening up China to the gospel and stuff. They understand that. What an incredible man. 
they know about different believers. And every one of those men and women had incredible burdens that they bared. Hudson Taylor buried two wives in China and children in China, but he kept going, kept going. Hudson Taylor said this. He said, God uses weak people because they know they have to depend on him for their strength. That's one of his sayings. Patience. Our son didn't, you know, I got the family back disease. My son didn't. He's about 6'1". That's not huge, but that's a lot bigger than me. And he was a weightlifter through college. He got a certification, a license, and all of that. He explained how that was important, and I said, okay. When he was a junior in college, he could bench press 420 pounds. That's stout. I came home one day, and those of you that are married, you'll understand this. Your wives like to rearrange the furniture every now and then. You know what I'm saying? I came in one day, and John and his close friend, who was junior Mr. South Carolina, were standing in the middle of the living room holding June's piano. It wasn't like one of those, but it was an upright, but not one of these kind of uprights, but it'll, the, the inside part is as big as a baby grand, if that tells you anything. They were standing there in the middle of the floor holding their piano. Of course, I walked in and saw it, and I said, it takes both of you guys to hold that thing up? You know, I mean, what else would a dad say? And John gives me a look. He says, Dad, help Mom make a decision. I said, I've been married long enough at that time to know, no, Dad's not helping on that one. It's Mama. And it wound up right back where it started. John said it had been on, he put it on every wall, it wound up right where it started. But those guys were standing there just holding and they weren't, like they were just standing there holding a the piano. They could hold up under a burden. If I'd have been holding up one end of that thing, I'd have been blowing gaskets. Patience is holding up under a burden. Not in our strength, in God's strength. And we have to understand how to assimilate that strength to our life. Sometimes we struggle because we don't take the time to diligently add these things to our life. And then the next one is brotherly, or excuse me, is godliness. Godliness, godlike. In Romans 8 and verse 29, the verse says in the middle of the verse that we're to be conformed to the image of his son. I don't know about you, but I've got a ways to go on that. God's expectation for every one of us is to be Christ-like. You say, preacher, I can't do that. We can do it in God's strength. And it's not easy. It means that we sacrifice our will. We sacrifice our desires for his desires. We submit to him. In James 1, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, I laugh when I read that verse. Do you know anybody that lacks wisdom? How about the guy you see in the mirror when you're doing your hair in the morning brushing your teeth? Does he need wisdom? The verse says, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally and braideth not, and it shall be given him. God promises to give us wisdom if we ask. When's the last time you asked God for wisdom? Does he promise? Now, that doesn't mean 
he's going to take an IQ of 90 and make it 190. He's not going to turn us into geniuses, but he's going to, that wisdom will let us know what we're supposed to do and how to do it. Put it into practice. Okay, godliness. Brotherly kindness. Love for the brethren. I've got a friend, he pastored here in Michigan, just retired uh, after years in the same church, and he said this. He said, the gospel light attracts some strange bugs. Amen? And most everybody in here had somebody's face come to mind. And not only that, you're the one that somebody else had in their mind. <laughs> right? The str- you know, brotherly kindness. We're to love the brethren as Christ loved us. And not only the brethren, but people in the world. In my town, in the old part of town, which is where we live, most people share a driveway. And we share a driveway. When we first moved in, there was a single guy there. And we got along great. Sometimes he would snow plow. Sometimes I snow plowed. It was great. And he got married. And she had a couple of kids and... You know, or no, he had a couple of kids in the first marriage and they had to have a bigger house. They moved out. Next ones move in. They were a little rough around the collar, but I did about 90% of the snow blowing and he did about 90% of my yard mowing. So that was a good trade. You know what I mean? And they had one child, everything was good. And then she was carrying twins and they had to have a bigger house and they moved out. And now we got the current ones. They both have pink hair, neon pink. They have a couple of snakes, a tarantula, and a cat. And a cat's as bad as the snakes. Oh, that just, sorry, that slipped out. All right. There, his idea helping to do the snow is to drive on the driveway. And if you have a snowblower, you know how good that makes it for getting rid of it. They mow their yard about once to every four or five times that I mow mine. The woman, in almost two years, has never said a word to us. Not one. When they moved in, we took them brownies and stuff. And this is, the, this is what the kid said. He said, oh, this is just like in the movies. He will grunt at us every now and then. Hey, how you doing? Ah, good. Put his head down and go on. That's all the communication. I'm supposed to love them like Christ loved the church. Let me ask you a question. Is it as easy to love them as the guy that mowed my yard 90% of the time? Huh? Or the guy that did at least more than 50% of the snow blowing? But I got to love them like Christ loves me. A good guy. Just ask me. I'm a good guy. And that's how we look at it. Do we not? Okay. Add to your faith virtue. And then after virtue, knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity, which is that word for godly love. We're supposed to add those things to us. Now, We've got to do it with diligence. 
It doesn't happen on accident. It doesn't happen easily. But look what happens if we do. Look at verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. People that are putting those into place, it's obvious in their life there's something about their Christian testimony. There's something about their Christianity. Now, doesn't make them perfect. Doesn't mean there's not more room to grow. But it means they're growing. They're developing. You know, the Lord takes us from where we were and tries to mold us into the image of Christ. And we're in between there somewhere. I don't know about you, but my desire is to be a lot closer over here than over here. You know what I mean? And I'm to the point now where I at least know that Judas isn't a saved man. All righty? And I wouldn't have gotten a D for delightful in Bible in the first quarter. The positive, there's growth, and that growth, the development, and there's discernment. And the gain is the demonstration of a godly life. Ask yourself a question. Are you truly satisfied in the Lord? Or do you think, I need the Lord in a good job. I need the Lord in a certain kind of house. I need the Lord in a certain kind of car. In Hong Kong, there's a lot of money. A lot of money. Eight and a half million people, same size New York City. Fourth largest stock market in the world. When we go there... I see Ferraris, Lamborghinis. I was there for four days a couple weeks back. I did not see a, a uh, Rolls Royce or a Bentley that time. Normally I do. I guess we just weren't there long enough. Wouldn't you love to drive a red Ferrari? I, don't, don't sit there and tell me no, you wouldn't. You'd hate it. I mean, I would love to drive one. I'm not sitting around worrying, trying to figure out how I'm going to get one, because that's not going to happen <laughs> not in this lifetime, you know what I mean, and, and so forth. But there are people, they get possessed with something like that. And it just takes over their life. Godliness with contentment is great gain. But then there's a negative. Look at verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind... And cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now, we can be at a place in our life where we're not growing, where we're not developing, and that's a problem. You remember I told you about my little two year old grandson, the one with the hairdo, with the curly gold hair? If he doesn't keep growing, there's something wrong with him. Amen? And everybody can see that. The same thing is true of a Christian that doesn't develop. Everybody can see that. And you're miserable. You're miserable in your walk. You're miserable in your life. Because you're not putting in any effort. Do you know what the number one New Year's resolution in the United States is? What is it? Lose weight, go on a diet, okay? And to do that, everybody goes out and buys athletic equipment for their house or they get a gym membership. Do you know the best time of the year in the United States to buy exercise equipment? Is February. 
because of the people that spent all kinds of money buying it, and now it just became a clothes rack. And not using it. February is the best month of the year in the United States to buy exercise equipment. Used. That's really not very used. Sadly, some of us put that kind of effort into our Christian life. And we don't grow. And we look around and we wonder what's wrong with us. Why am I like this? And I'm not trying to be mean. But it all comes back to us not, in, not diligently adding to our faith the seven things that are listed here in 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.